On this week's episode of the Devil's Advocates podcast, we review the last two weeks of games, talk about changes to the lineup, and what we think of our defensemen. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a shorter episode as we got cut off while recording, but I hope you guys enjoy what we got. And with that, let's start the show. Welcome to episode three of the Devil's Advocates podcast. I am your host, Jeff Belinsky, and here with my co-host, Joe Riccardelli. Jersey Joe, what is up? Not much, Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. We're back after a one-week hiatus. Uh, For those who are listening, we tried to record last week. Didn't go so well. Um, So we're back again this week to talk some more Devil's stuff. Uh, Quite an interesting few weeks we've had. Devils kind of came back from just coming back now from a four-game road trip. Uh, what what do you see from the team so far? What's their overall reaction to the the last few games that they've had? Well, last weekend I know we talked a lot about, um, or we were going to talk about the Chicago game, the secret and hidden episode <laughs> only, only for true fans. Yeah, we recorded about what twenty minutes worth, and then we had to stop. But yeah, we were talking a lot about that Chicago game where the Devils came back from four to one. Ended up winning 7-5. Just, it wasn't even so much an analysis. We kind of were just gushing over the game in, in general. And we were just so ecstatic that we have a team that can finally pull out a 4-1 to comeback and end up winning, especially against the Chicago Blackhawks and in Chicago. So it, it's it's really this, this brand new world for Devils fans. And I think we, we just needed a week to kind of get over the... Uh, the adrenaline rush and the endorphin rush that we got from that game, but yeah, the team, the team came back down to earth pretty quickly <laughs> after that game. Oh yeah, in Toronto. yeah. Well, that was the weird thing about this road trip. So you lose two two in a row to Winnipeg and Toronto. Um, one was an overtime loss, which was heartbreaking. And then you know you win a hard fall game game against Minnesota, but then you look back and you go, you know, we kind of went two one and one on that trip. That really wasn't. It wasn't as bad as it seemed, but but emotionally, those back-to-back losses were killer. I mean, it, it Saturday night, I don't think I even wanted to look at a hockey game ever again. It was just so debilitating to, to go from that game in Chicago, the two straight losses against winnable teams. Luckily, they had a nice bounce-back game last night, but even again last night... We you, up... you could call it nice. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll get to last night's game, I'm sure. Uh, but it is, it is kind of like a backwards excitement roller coaster for this team this trip because the first game not looking great actually looking pretty terrible in the first period down four to one they come back they put up seven on a pretty decent Chicago team that probably throughout the whole year everybody would probably say they're better than us and then immediately the offense dries up and we don't we get shut out of Toronto (laughs) we're not really having any main chances at Winnipeg the goals that we got in against Minnesota weren't Super pretty, except for Butcher and, and more, I'd say. Um, but it's just, I don't know. How, how are you feeling about this team just, like, right now? Are you confident, or you think they're just kind of <laughs> treading water? It's it's really been the same feelings I've had this entire season, where I'm finally expecting the team to go in one direction, and then they do a complete 180 in the next game. So, I mean, just, just looking at these four games, you had a 7-5 free-for-all against Chicago, followed immediately by a 0-0 game that had to get settled in the last eight seconds of overtime against Toronto. 
Then we get blown out 5-2 by Winnipeg, and then we end up winning 4-3 against against uh, Minnesota. So I wanted to say that the Chicago game, okay, our offense is back, our offense is clicking, our defense needs help. But we then shut out a Toronto team for three periods and also get shut out. And so I'm still I'm waiting for this team to define itself, not only to me, but I think to itself, because this is a hard team to coach for, for a number of reasons. And I just I don't think the team knows what it is. I don't think the players know what it is. I think they're just going in every every single day and doing their best and seeing what the end result will be. And weirdly, that has been a a great result because we're right now we're 12 five and three but I, I just I don't know I really don't know how to feel about this team and I'm wondering if I ever will this season it's just it's such an enigma there's so many different factors every single night that it's hard to sit down and really define what this team is right now yeah it seems like they're kind of changing their identity from game to game I mean obviously there's been a lot of in and out of the lineup and stuff like that but to me, like the overall, if you're asking me like one word to define this team right now, I would say frustrated. I think that top to bottom, you know, the the production for the most part is kind of dried up, at least in a sustainable way. You know, we still might get some pretty low low quality shots going in here and there, but for the most part, I think particularly the Toronto game, where probably ironically enough, they lose that game. Um, in overtime, but they probably should have won it. Um, out of all the games we played, that was probably the most complete game um, overall, I would say. It's just the, the sh- chances weren't going in. They had plenty of them, um, and I think that Anderson played excellent for them that game and completely deserved a shutout the way that he performed. Um, but, I mean, you see it with individual players. You know, the scoring's really kind of dried up lately, and, and the team just overall seems frustrated and they don't know how to overcome it and I think it's kind of a a milestone in this in this season you know 20 games in you know got a real chance to evaluate you know how we really stand up against a significant portion of the league and it's going to be kind of a make or break moving forward whether or not they can overcome this they continue to tread water or they just bottom out and never get it back to the way that they look to start the season um so I don't really know where where to take it from here. I mean, last night it's it's good to come away with two points, but it's kind of like the the Senators game that we went to at the Rock, where you give up the lead late. Um, you know, again another two goal lead, and just post for Paul Mary can't really put it away four to one. They come back and but we get the points in overtime. Um, John Moore once again, I think it's like his his sixth overtime goal as a devil, yeah. which is just yep. absolutely insane. I mean, and it, I, all the credit in the world to Henrik, too. Uh, two beautiful assists. Oh, what a game um, last night for Henrik. A real gritty game from him, and I think he needed it more than anyone, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, and that, that that's what you're seeing with all these lineup shakeups is that players come into games fired up and ready to go. You see Henrik at the moment to the fourth line. He threw a stick into the crowd during practice the other day. He comes into the game, has a goal and two assists, and uh, I guess you can call it a fight. But he kind of just took down Spurgeon, and then he got choke slammed on the blue line. Like he had a he had a fun game last night. He was having fun out there. You could tell he deserved every single stitch on that jacket that he got. he did. He really did. And honestly, where was that Henrique though this whole season? Like that's 
if he had that in him, he just needed to get the fire lit under his ass, so to speak. I want to know where that's been the past couple of games. He's had three even strength points the whole season before yesterday. It's not Maybe it's the mustache. Do you, do you think it's the mustache? <laughs> it seems like all these November games, he's not really performing well. Earlier in the start of the season, I thought he was one of our better players, and I thought a, a real solid role player, but I, I agree. It kind of disappeared the last 10 games or so. I know, that's the story of the Devils, though, because now Heischer, Bratt, and Hall really haven't scored in a couple of games. I, mean, I think Hall might have had a few points, but Heischer hasn't been scoring. Bratt hasn't been scoring. Our top two lines essentially have been somewhat invisible and all the scoring is coming from the third and fourth liners which is great to have because if your top two lines are going to have a drought you want the bottom two to pick it up but you're starting to wonder like when is he sure going to start scoring at a con- consistent pace when is Brack going to get back on his game he had a few good chances um i thought he had that santini goal last night but it turns out it was just santini himself um who also had a monster game last night but i'll, I'll get into that in a little bit but it's just it's it's just worrisome because there's so many valleys, but also so many highs with this team right now. And you, it's just very difficult to put a finger on it. And these past couple seasons, it's been very easy to write the Devils off as a certain kind of team. Two years ago, we were the brand-new coach, brand-new GM, whole new identity. We were winning games and, and doing pretty well up until, the, I think, the final two months when we kind of fell apart. Whereas last year, we were completely written off at this time last year. I think we were pretty stuck in the mud um, at the end of November last year, and we kind of just, once we went on that California trip, and we knew we just weren't going to get back. Um, but this year, I, I, I wanted to say a couple times where I went, this team's going to be awesome, we're making the playoffs, followed by a game where I'm immediately like, you know what, I don't think this team has it in them. But then they, again, come back the next game and win in Chicago, coming back from 4-1. to So, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the lineups are changing so much, you have Boyle coming back now. You have Zajac. You have Zaka sitting for what two games now and coming back, having an okay game. I don't know. How do you feel about the lineup changes that Heinz has had recently? I I mean, given the success that the team has been having, like I I can't really question him too much on on the decisions that he's making. I think those decisions at the beginning of the year were probably paying more dividends and working out better, so we're a little more accepting of them, but. I'm happy to see that he's not afraid to change things up or to sit guys who, you know, might think that they deserve to get the time. I think there's been a lot of talk recently regarding Zaka's, you know, work ethic and how hard he needs to skate out there. You know, you could argue whether or not he got rewarded um, for his play last night. I think he didn't even log 10 minutes of ice time. Um, nope. Although I did see him on a power play in, in the third period there at a pretty key moment. So I don't know what to make of that too much he had two shots um was a plus one if you put any credit into that you know least time on the team whether or not he's out of the doghouse i don't know i i don't see any reason to put nason or or hazen over him at this point i mean i think it's gonna i don't think his play during the game is really what's gonna make or break it i think it's how he performs in the practices going forward but yeah he had nine minutes and 40 seconds of ice time which is Far and away the lowest of anyone on the team, including Travis Zajac with the second lowest at 12 minutes. So it's it's definitely concerning. Um, I even I think I alluded to this in one of my early episodes. I You can tell Zaka is not fully in it, and I don't know if that's just who he is. He's just very 
he's not lazy, but he kind of just goes through the motions. He does what he needs to do. He gets off the ice. Sometimes he scores. Most of the time he doesn't. I've never seen him cheer. I've never seen him pissed off. I've never seen him angry or show any kind of emotion. He, he doesn't look like he's ever having fun. Or, yeah. or really, I mean, you're, you're right. He's really not showing any any emotion out there. Not, I mean, not that hockey players are known for their great emotions, but I don't know if it's because there's no other checks on the team or if maybe he's not really fitting in, you know, in a circle of, of friends to kind of work together with. But, um, I mean, it's obviously... He's got Eliage in the stands. He's <laughs> the one out there. Yeah, he's just at every game only for Zaka, uh, <laughs> just for moral support. Um I had another point to make about him, but I can't remember what it is at this point. But at the end of the day, like, I think he's been obviously less than stellar to start the season. Um, but for, from the team overall, like, you just have to be happy with what we have so far. I mean, whether you, we've had so many surprises from guys like Brad who have kind of tailed off and he's just played great and a guy like Gibbons leading the team in goals out of nowhere, just, you know, him and Coleman on the fourth line are just absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, that's probably like going to be a rehab line for a few of these guys. If you put Zaka on that line, he probably comes away with three points last night instead of Henrique. I don't know. I don't know what it is, that's, but those guys, are just, those guys are that just is. working hard down there. Well, I think it also has to do a lot with matchups. You've, you don't oh, see, for sure, for sure. I mean, you're, you're seeing a trend where you're trying to roll four scoring lines and it used to be conventional wisdom that you have your top two scoring lines. You have a third defensive shutdown line. And your fourth line is just goons or just plugs or something there just to kind of fill in the ice while your your star players are resting. But now, especially with Pittsburgh and the way they've been playing the past couple of years, you're seeing that trend towards having four deep scoring lines. But not every team has caught up to that. So I think what it is is you don't want to send out your shutdown line or your top two pairings against our fourth line. So you let you know your plugs out against what should be our plugs, but they're actually really good players. And you're just seeing the results where the matchups are just working out in our favors so well. And that's that's another reason why we've been having a lot of success is because beyond the, the Taylor hall Heesher line, there's really not a lot of, I guess you can say, like third or fourth lines. It's like we have one first line and three second lines, and that's that's very hard to defend against. But going back to Zaka, he's had five points in 16 games, which is not great. Um He's also very young, and he's not using his body the way he should. He is 210 pounds, six foot three. He's a big power forward. He should be playing like Luchik, but he's not. He's not using his body. He's not getting in the gritty areas. He's not screening the goalie. He's trying to act like another Taylor Hall, and he might have been able to do that in juniors, but he can't do that at the NHL level, at least not yet. He's not developed enough, and what he has to do is use his body, and I don't think John Hines has been seeing that. I think that's why he got sat. Um, but then last night, I saw him win a number of, of puck battles on the board. He used his body, made some big hits, and the result is, you know, he did pretty well. He, Like you said, he was plus one, but with 10 minutes of ice time, you can't expect him to really show up on the score sheet. So I think he did as good as he could last night because he's starting to learn how to use his, use really what, he, what his skill set is. But ultimately, he's still not where he should be, and, and that's it is worrisome, but... I mean, I, I I thought he was a factor last night. I mean, obviously, all the talk coming up to the game about you know him finally being back in the lineup after being out for a few games, um, tend to notice him a little bit more on the ice. I try and you know watch everybody out there, but you know particularly when he was out on the ice, I didn't notice how little ice time he played until obviously you look at the score sheet um, or the box score after the game. 
But I I thought that he looked, you know, effective. I I, I don't know if you saw anything differently, but I I thought he played a pretty decent game and at no, least deserved and, uh, another shot in the lineup. No, that I agree with 100%. I think he definitely improved, but it is a small sample size. It's just one game. I want to see what he did last night at a more consistent click. I want to see him do that against Boston and Detroit this weekend. I want to see I want to see him use that body more. I see it every now and then, and when he does it, great things happen. It usually leads to a chance. I'm pretty sure he won a puck battle on the boards, which is what led to Santini's goal. Um, for some reason, I don't think he got the assist. It might have been touched by Minnesota. But he, he's creating stuff on the ice when he uses that big frame. I mean, I think that's what, something that the whole team has to do, too. I don't, I don't feel like they've been really using their bodies along the boards as much as they should have. I think it's something that showed a little more last night. Um, I don't know if that's just because of the nature of the game versus Minnesota. It was a little, you know, a little heated. Maybe they wanted to throw around their bodies a little bit more. Um, but I've been seeing too much of like, oh, let's try and get the stick in there, poke it past them, kind of skate around them, and, and get a little bit of a breakaway. Not necessarily, let me pin this guy to the boards, make sure that I'm stopping him from scoring on me, and if I win the puck battle, great. If not, he's not getting the shot off. Um, rather than taking a high-risk chance and, and giving up, better opportunities. I think they really limited the chances um, that Minnesota had because they had much better work along the boards. Yeah, and you, you saw that and, and you saw that with Minnesota, but you especially saw that against Winnipeg. Winnipeg is probably one of the biggest teams in the league at the moment, especially with Bufflin. We were we were we looked like kids out there. I mean there's there's no other way to put it. We had no chances in, in the slot. We had no high-risk chances. We barely won any board battles. We were getting knocked around like it was nothing. And then you saw the result. We get outscored 5-2 to two against a team that we thought we might have had because, you know, Winnipeg's up and coming, but they're not They're not a Toronto yet. They're not a Chicago yet. And we, we took Toronto to overtime. We took Chicago and beat them in regulation. So you think you can beat Winnipeg, but uh, they really – they're a good matchup because they show all the cracks. We, we're not a big team. We're small and fast, but when you shut that down, we have nothing else to show for it. And our defense isn't going to really really make up the slack, so to speak. They're not going to be able to kind of stifle the chances until we get a lucky bounce. They're going to get run through by a bigger team, and that's exactly what you saw. And especially when we fall behind and they're not trying to take the chances to get a goal as much as we are, um, which I think was the case in Chicago, uh, Toronto, and obviously Toronto. The last goal, last and only goal of the game. Uh, but with Chicago and and Winnipeg, you know, we we don't score the first goal. We're already playing from behind, and they can play a different style that doesn't lead to as many good chances um, for us. I mean, I don't know how many goals they should have had in that first period against Winnipeg, but then you know, obviously three goals in a minute and a half, and it's just yeah, that, might as well that turn killed off. us. Little, little anecdote: I'm at a friend's giving on Saturday during the day, and college <laughs> football is on the TV. Kind of is a break in between games. I'm like, all right, do you guys mind if I throw the hockey game off for a little bit? Because I'm like, if anybody objects, I'll turn it off immediately. But if nobody gives a shit about what we're watching, I'm watching the hockey game. Um, and then I'm trying to get my friends into it a little bit. And then once they start paying attention, they just three three goals right in by Winnipeg. And I'm just like, oh, I, I don't know what to do. Just turn it off, guys. <laughs> all right, I guess we're doing something down. else. Is dinner ready yet? <laughs> is that turkey done? Um, oh, yeah, no. so that that was my experience watching the the Winnipeg game. Hopefully, you were able to watch it alone and just cry to yourself oh, no. instead. No, my fiance and I actually were watching Indiana Jones, and um, I had it on my laptop, so I was watching it intermittently. And like you, I just saw the three goals, and I was like, um, yeah, so I'll watch Indiana Jones now. Like, I won't, 
I don't need to multitask anymore. <laughs> I watched a little bit of the third period, but I'm like, there's, there's nothing here. There's really nothing here. There's no heart. You know the team kind of gave up. I, I once, You're not seeing. One stake didn't score on either of those power plays at the end of the second period. Yep. That was it. Because yep, I'm, I'm yeah. sitting there, it's it's 4-1 to one or whatever, and I'm like, watch. They're going to First of all, the power play looked great. I think they had plenty of chances. Just didn't get him past, um, I guess, Hellbook. Yeah, yeah, he was um, and and then once they didn't score there, and they, and they got one late in the second, then it was just, you know, Butcher gets his first yeah. one in the third, and and just gently pushes it over the line. But still, <laughs> at that point, there was like twelve minutes left in the game. They're yeah. down three goals. Um, uh, it's just not gonna been, happen. And Hellebuck has been standing on his head. Uh, you, you know the whole story. What's going on with Winnipeg? They brought in Steve Mason to to kind of be their starter because Hellebuck had a down year. And then Halibut comes out with almost a, a, a all-star caliber season right now, where he's probably I think top top five in save percentage and goals against, and he's been propelling that Winnipeg team. And we just got stonewalled by him, and we got stonewalled by the Anderson game on Thursday it, it, or Friday. No, it was Thursday, yeah. And and we played those... Dubnik, who won four straight games, three of them <laughs> via shutout. Um, you know, we're not really giving ourselves any breaks here, but at the end of, at the end of the road trip, four games, we come away with five points. Like, how upset can you really be with this? Exactly. You know, just kind of take it. And a little bit on that note, I wanted to kind of highlight because I felt like everybody's a little a little down on the team right now. They're kind of a lot of people saying, "Ah, see, I told you so." They can't really, you know, keep up the pace that they had to start the season. The way that I'm looking at this is. It's now a 60-game season, and we have, you know, two points in hand or whatever it is. You just kind of have to reset it. 20 games have passed. We played a quarter of the way, and guess what? We're in first place in the Metropolitan Division. Any Devils fan who is upset with, with that— With games in hand, by the way. Exactly. So any Devils fan who is upset with where the team is right now, regardless of, you know, what they've done for you lately, you, you cannot— be anything but happy with this, considering where we were in the offseason and where no, we were last season. Absolutely. And you look at our schedule, and we have six winnable games coming up. And I hate saying that because it's a complete jinx, but we face Boston, Vancouver, Detroit, Florida, Colorado, and Arizona. Very none winnable of those games. Teams. Very winnable none of, games. Yeah, and, and none of them were playoff teams last year, whereas we just came off a road trip against three playoff teams, and we came away with five points. The Jets didn't make the playoffs, but they're probably going to make the playoffs this year. Now they're that good, so I'm again. I'm, I'm hoping to go four and two down this stretch because then we face the Blue Jackets twice, then the Rangers, then the Kings, the Canadians, the Stars. It, it gets pretty pretty tough in December, but the next six games we we got to pull away with at least four four to four maybe five wins. Oh, who knows? Maybe we can pull all six, but I doubt it. But either way, it's it's this is going to be one of those those stretches in the season where the team settles into its identity. I also said that about four more times this season, so I don't know if it's going to actually come true or not. But looking looking ahead, there's a lot to be excited about, at, at least until around Christmas. Yeah, but the other thing that's important to remember, too, is we've only played, I believe, two games against the Metropolitan Division, mm-hmm. which was a win versus the Rangers and a loss to the Capitals back-to-back. We're not going to understand the true identity of this team until we start really going through the Metro. Um, and you alluded to that's coming up. We have a back-to-back with Columbus and then the Rangers right after. Um, but really the, the bulk of our Metropolitan uh, 
you know, stint, stint is not till the second half of the season. And that's when the points really start to matter because these games where we're giving up leads late and throwing away a point in overtime to some Western Conference opponent, that's not going to come back to bite us at the end of the season. Those extra points to the Western Conference literally mean nothing to the Devils' standings. Now, when we start playing in conference and in division, we can't be giving away points like that. We can't just be handing them out left and right. We need to get the two points in regulation if we want to be taken seriously in this league. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the next couple of practices are strictly six on five with an empty net because that, that's at least the second, if not the third or fourth time, where we have given up a, a goal when they pull their goalie. And that's something. I mean, we just got to win a faceoff. I, I, we were texting about this yesterday. I don't. The, the two. I mean, the, the second goal by uh, Minnesota, I think we lost a faceoff, then we iced it, then we lost a faceoff again, and they scored. And then. They, they pull the goalie. We Boyle can't get it past center. I think we iced it again. Cannot win a faceoff to, to save mm-hmm. our lives at, at these pivotal moments in the game. Just win one. Throw it down there. Get another icing. Set it up again. And, you know, they, they win it. They get it along the boards. Corey doesn't see anything through Boyle. And I think Lovejoy out there. And and that's it. And it, But luckily, John Moore, you know, overtime hero once again. And we come away with two points. So, I don't know. I don't know what what I'm what I'm so upset about, but I, I just want to see a little more from him. Well, speaking of faceoffs, Travis Zajac went 11 for 15 against Winnipeg on Saturday. That's all he does is win faceoffs. I know. That's all know. he does. <laughs> he had like 55 percent last year, and and He's... you know faceoff percentages are, are kind of iffy, and you know based on you know game situation and stuff like that. But 55 percent is significantly you're winning most of the time. Um, yeah. I actually was concerned that he would kind of struggle to get back into the rhythm of the faceoff with the the way the 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 changes with the referees where they're kind of throwing guys out a little earlier. I thought he would maybe be at a disadvantage to guys who have played 15 games this season, um, but he seems to be just as good as always. Yeah. Well, I was listening to Laughlin uh, uh, and and Chico last night on the radio in between periods because I was just you know doing stuff around the house and. They had um, Zach Parise on, who doesn't like actually be calling Parise. He switched it again. He likes Parise. And he was saying how they're actually a little bit more lenient now at the face-off rules. They were really bad in the beginning of the season, but they're kind of coming back down to earth. And, and the same with the slashers. There's not as many slashing penalties. Um, so Which is I, so stupid. If, if you're going to call it at the beginning of the season, you mm-hmm. should call it throughout the whole season. I, mean, I think I, they just I, wanted to make a point. But what point if it's just going to be let go after that? I, I don't understand that. But I, I do notice that, like, even when they do kind of point, like, to get the guy thrown out, sometimes they'll just bring him back in and be like, all right, you, you can go again. No, it's, it's totally <laughs> fine. It's don't okay. worry about it's it. It's okay. You that was go. on me. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, so I don't really know what's going on there. But um, I'm just happy that Travis is winning him. I'm happy I'm happy to have him back. He's he's one of my favorite players. I, I Clearly, Hines has been um, – you know, limiting his minutes to kind of get him back up to game speed, make sure he's not. That's fine. You know, going 100 miles an hour right out the gate. We expected I, him to come back in the new year, let alone before Thanksgiving. Two weeks before Thanksgiving, pretty much. So, it, it's definitely you know, it, it's a nice surprise. If he plays 10 minutes a night, that's fine. Oh yeah, definitely. As long as way, he goes 11 for 15. Way earlier than anybody expected. Um, kind of lined up with Johansson going out, which was not so great. Um, but he's you know, been invisible who knows anyway, how long he's so going to be just, out. I don't know. Johansson's been invisible, man. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, can't, like I didn't even see him on the him. ice last night. I don't know what. <laughs> it's crazy. 
I just mean even before the concussion, him and Zaka have just been really unimpressed with, and and then really the the biggest injury that's that's painful to me because I kind of I've been a mascot for him this whole season is Mueller. I'm so upset that he's out. He's out for what ten weeks now. He had a broken collarbone. He had to get surgery. Yeah, surgery was successful, but still out quite a long time. Yeah, I think he's coming back middle of January or even later, probably February, which sucks. That's more than half the season he's going to be out now. And it's just, I don't know, he was just about to develop into something really great. I could see it coming. He was getting more ice time. He had the most ice time in, I think, two or three games before he got injured. And his plus-minus has been great. He's shown up on the score sheet every now and then. So he was doing great. So his injury actually hurts a lot more than Johansson injury. But I get that the Johansson injury is a bit more of a, a high-profile one just because of the player he was, but still, I, I, I don't know. I think when they come back, we'll start to see the defense gel a bit more, but that's so far ahead that I, I don't want to say that. I almost think that we should trade for another defenseman. I don't know. How, how do you feel about our defense right now? I I don't really have a problem with the defense right now. Really? I, I I. I don't think that's our issue. I don't. I don't think our issue is. I mean, you look at the guys that are out there. Even some of the goals that are given up, it's it's Santini and Green that are out there. And I think it's more of a team structure issue than it is um, any individual defenseman. I think if one one of the things that I was gonna ask you um, would just kind of be like power ranking like our defensemen. So I'll give I'll give you mine um, that I would do right now, and I think I would. Like most confident having them out there on the ice or want them out there on the ice, I think number one is Santini. Number two is is Green, just because he's such a defensive presence. Three mm-hmm. would be Butcher. Four would be, I guess, I'd say four is Severson, and then. I would go more and and Lovejoy, but I, honestly, I I want to put Lovejoy higher, but I just can't think of anybody to really? put him over. I think he's been great on the PK. I think he's been very sound, responsive, uh, defensively, and responsible. Yeah, Love, I think Lovejoy has been invisible in a good way. He's not really making any mistakes. He's not flashy, but he's not making any mistakes either. And so you you can't really you can't point him out, which for a defenseman like him is completely okay. Like One I'm, thing I'm, that I noticed he was doing yesterday. Was he would kind of get stuck in no man's land in front of the crease when the when the puck moved sides either on the, on the power, on the penalty kill, um, or just when they had gained the zone, and there would be a guy kind of backdoor by the net, and instead of like kind of just skating backwards and floating towards the front of the net to cover that guy, he completely turned around from the puck and just skated as hard as he could to get to that guy and cover him, and I saw him do it multiple times last night um, throughout the game. And it's just it's something that kind of stuck out to me where like oh this guy's actually really making an effort to make up for his defensive lapses or his you know inconsistencies on the ice and really kind of make a point to correct them and that's something that's really stood out to me I mean he's been on the first penalty kill unit um, with Green as well so I mean I think he's getting rewarded for his play and I th- I think he deserves every bit of it yeah he's definitely been been. I don't want to say improving because he's such a veteran. I just think he's finally getting settled with the way the system was working because I just remember seeing him, I think it was against the Islanders in the preseason, and I was just saying, there's no way Lovejoy can be on this roster. And then he comes in, he does just as poorly in the first couple of games, gets set, gets 
gets benched for, for a number of, of games there. And I think for about the past seven, eight, or even ten games, he's been in consistently. And he actually locked 20 minutes of ice time last night, which was second only to uh, Andy Green, it looks like. So he he's definitely he's got Hines behind him. He's logging more minutes than Santini right now. So I do think that he's settling into his role as just a shutdown defender and being used in specific areas. He's not being used against the top top lines anymore, which is where the issues were last year. So I definitely think Lovejoy has a good, a decent enough spot on the third or even second pairing if need be. Um, but once Mueller comes back, I would like to see him in, in, for, in for Lovejoy just because Mueller has to develop. But for right now, yeah, Lovejoy has been phenomenal. And, and I guess if I would rank my defense in right now, it, it'd be very similar to yours. I would switch uh, Butcher with Moore. I, I do think that Moore is a bit more defensively sound. And I just, you, you got to pick Mr. Overtime over the rookie right now. He's just been, Moore has been something else this season. Uh, are, are we going to have our first fight right now? Where you're putting Will Butcher as the fifth best defenseman on this team? Um, quick, no, quick he's... point before we get into this. Quick point on Lovejoy. I just, I don't think it's a coincidence that him getting consistent playing time has resulted in in a higher level of play from him. I think it's just, it's really hard to keep it up um, and stay to stay up to speed with the game speed, not just practice speed, when you're in and out of the lineup like that. And I agree. Yeah, I think somebody that's a veteran that sees these young guys getting playing time over him, it could really go one way or the other. Um, and I think he's handled it fantastically with his big bulging bug eyes. I mean, he's uh, he's he's really settled into a nice a nice spot on this team. And I'm no longer have my fingers crossed when the lineups come out that he's he's being a healthy scratch. Hey guys, Jeff here again to apologize for the show being cut off. Um, guess I learned my lesson. You should never talk about Ben Lovejoy positively. The hockey gods are always listening. Um, if you got this far, I want to say thank you for listening, and I hope you and your families have a happy and a safe Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Let's go Devils.